and welcome to the Pink Sheep Tales podcast. Pink Sheep Tales? What's this all about, I hear you ask? Well, the name is based on the old saying, Black Sheep of the Family, and Tales, T-A-L-E-S, is a play on words because we'll be hearing people's life stories. So through this podcast, I'm so excited to be able to share these remarkable stories from inspirational children and adults with you. These everyday people are building amazing businesses, excelling in their careers, exceptional in their industries, choosing unique career paths, and all in the name of living their best life. My goal is to encourage listeners to follow their passions and be inspired by our pink sheep who have and are doing just that. So let's do it. Let's open the gate and hear this week's Pink Sheep Tale. We've just heard Max's little story and he's so great. Like it really is true. I do love visiting on Mondays and I think, what stories has he got for me? What's he been doing? So I'm really happy and excited that Um, Max's mum, Alicia, is going to give us a little bit of background on Max some more and herself and how she finds parenting a tiny little genius with a a massive creative mind. Um, And, yeah, so just a little bit more. So, hi, Alicia. Hi, how are you? Good, good, good. So thank you again for inviting me into your home this morning and giving me your time and Max's time. The stories we've just heard Max talk about, we might give a bit more context mm. to them and the how we're seeing the um, value in them as adults mm. and what we can see him um, sort of developing into in the future. Um, so if I'll hand it over to you and let's just start with maybe a little bit of background sure. for Max. So Max is, um, yes, an interesting, creative little boy for us to parent. His start to life was a little bit um, different as well. So that sort of probably adds to the colour of who he is now. So Max was an identical twin and Max was born very early as a result of that and spent about a month in ICU when he was first born and he was resuscitated many, many times. Um, And his identical twin brother didn't survive. But nonetheless, we were blessed to walk out of the hospital at the end of all of that with a healthy little boy in our arms and his zest for life and his enthusiasm and his creativity, we can't help but look at him and think, oh my goodness, you've got enough for two people. (laughs) So I think that with a lot of the things that he does and And just the way he approaches life with just so much energy. Um, For us, that's kind of a really lovely thing to see that perhaps there was um, his twin brother still in him somehow. Um, But yeah, little Max is, he's he's just very, I suppose, entrepreneurial in the way that he thinks. His story that uh, he told you around going down the street and selling some of his, his goods a bit of background to that, our other two children had been on a sailing course and have fallen in love with the concept of sailing and had decided they wanted to save for what we call an opti, which is a small sailing boat, about $1,000. And my husband and I had said, well, you guys need to save at least half yourselves. So they had gone about doing a number of chores over many, many weeks to try to accrue this money. Hugh was never particularly into the idea, but he would observe from the side And on this particular day, unbeknownst to me, when I looked around the house on a Saturday afternoon and I couldn't find Max anywhere, um, I sort of said, where's he gone? And a few moments later, he rushes in the door, having been down the street (laughs) and says, 
Mom, Mom, I've got all this money. And he actually had about $8 of various coins in his hands. And what he'd actually done was create lucky dip of various items in his room, some of which he'd made out of craft and others that he already had. And he'd gone down the street and decided to sell them. And the people that he'd sold them to, who we, we know, um, obviously decided to give him more money than they probably should have. <laughs> but his commentary when he came back was probably quite funny. He said to my son, who'd been slaving away doing all these chores, he said, you don't have to do chores to get money. You just have to wrap stuff up and go and sell it down the street. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, as a parent, you're kind of not quite sure whether you should be cross about that or think it's funny or think it's really good. Um, but either way, I suppose that just sort of is a bit of an example of how his mind, you know, works quite differently. Not only does he have the idea to do it, but the confidence and, and the courage to actually go and execute it. Um, meanwhile, our other two children who are older, were gobsmacked and thinking, how could you do that? <laughs> Aren't you embarrassed? So that was um, that was a funny a funny little story of how he accrued all of this cash, which is now uh, hidden away in his bedroom. I'm not actually sure where it is. <laughs> I heard him tell you the story of the Easter bags, and he also was explaining to you, I think, that they came about from Christmas bags, which is true. So. Last Christmas, um, as as the parent, as you're going out and buying everybody else gifts in the family, Hugh felt that he needed to be giving people gifts as well. We were going to Melbourne to celebrate Christmas with my family down there and he didn't want to turn up empty-handed. So he said to me, I'm going to make people presents. So he was very particular about asking me, well, who's coming to Grandma's for Christmas Day lunch? And I gave him the list. And he then made uh, all these Christmas bags, which were essentially little craft bags, and he'd created um, out of uh, colour, glitter, glue, different images on the front, and he made sure each image sort of matched the person that he was giving the bag to, and he put various things inside the bags, packed them in his suitcase himself, and he wanted to make sure on Christmas Day he had something to hand out that he'd made. So come Easter time, um, the same idea, I guess, was in his head and he thought he wanted to give everyone his class an Easter bag. So it took him a good few weeks actually to make them because it's about 30 kids in the class and he made everybody uh, these Easter bags with lots of different craft. And again, he was particular about what each child likes and so everyone's bag was a little bit different. Um, and so that was sort of his way of, of I guess, contributing to, to Easter. Yeah, well, when he was showing me those bags and explaining it to me more in a, a natural mm. um, a natural way, the microphone wasn't with him, but I was standing there and I'm like, oh, I, I probably need gift bags. What, what do I need gift bags for? Surely there's something. He was selling them to me yeah, yeah. and he didn't even realize it. Yeah. I was like, these are great. Oh, look at all the thought he's put into it. Really mm. a personalized gift for someone. And he... It was just so fantastic. And then the story of, of him popping down the street and selling. I got goosebumps the first time you told me that story. And I thought, he he is just a natural little businessman, a natural yeah. little ideas person. And it, it, it was so fantastic. It's like he's so little. Yeah. He, look, he's, he's gone out on the street a number of times to try to busk to get money. Has he? <laughs> yeah. It's been funny. My other two children think that's very embarrassing. So they try to pull him inside. Um, and one day he did it. There was not much traffic going past the house and he was very upset that nobody stopped. But um, but he loves doing that sort of thing. He's he's not embarrassed. He just has an idea and he gets out there and does it. Yeah. Um, you know, which is which is lovely to watch on the one hand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Mm. Yeah. So 
um, yourself and your husband's Todd, mm-hmm. um, do you, does he get this creativity from from either of you? Um, look, certainly when I was younger, I was far more creative than I am now as an adult. Um, and, and in my high school years, I did a lot of drama and a lot of theatre studies um, and, and different plays and, and I auditioned for lots of stuff and you know, since sort of going into my 20s, I've really not done anything like that. But I definitely had many years in my teenage years where that is what I loved to do. So um, it's it's lovely to then, you know, see that in him. And if he chooses to go down that path, then that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, the challenge at his age is, as I think he described to you, not many performing arts schools will take a six-year-old because typically they don't have a great attention span. So we're sort of just stepping between a few until he's old enough. That's right. And yeah. uh, when we were speaking earlier in the week, you were mentioning about his piano teacher. Yes. And just that there are special cases. Mm. And did you want to share that story? Yeah, definitely. So we have been with um, a particular piano teacher for about five years. And um, Max being our youngest had just started with this teacher 12 months ago. And she loved him, but unfortunately she stopped teaching um, at Christmas time. So we had to find a new teacher, which is quite hard to find a really good uh, piano teacher for children. Anyway, we managed to find a teacher, um, but she said she doesn't take six-year-olds. So she was going to take our other two children, but not Max. And well, that, was, that would have been very disappointing because um, even though Max has only recently started piano, he's probably naturally the most musical. Anyway, I had to say to this teacher, look, would you at least be open to just giving him a trial, even if you just had 15 minutes with him just to see where he's at? And at the end of that, if you're still uninterested, then that's absolutely fine. Um, And she said that she was happy to do that. So we went along and I just dropped him off and, and let him have his time with her. And at the end of it, she said, yeah, absolutely, I'll take him. She said he's he's great he's so creative and he's so engaged with the music and and actually she laughed she said he's selling me on everything (laughs) so every every lesson I pick him up from he's he's sold her on another gold sticker that he thinks he deserves in his book or something of that nature um so she finds that absolutely gorgeous and yeah so she's loving teaching him but she doesn't typically I don't think she has anyone else that young at the moment so oh that's so Mm, good that's good and it's great that like other people it's not just um you know his family recognizing that he is special Mm. it's like outsiders are picking up on it so quickly Yeah, yeah it is nice and I think look it's hard to parent in a way, a child like that, because Max is, um, he's very specific about what he wants to do. He has his ideas and he gets very, very attached to them. And he, he really does not want to listen to an adult trying to sway him. Um, he's made many comments like that over the years in terms of my, to my husband, you know, my ideas are the best ideas and, um, this is how I want to do it. And so, that's great on the one hand, but that is hard to massage <laughs> in a family of five. Um, but I think our way to overcome that is we've got his room set up to be just this craft sort of arty space where he can come in, he can have his own time, he can build whatever he wants, and that's his channel of, um, you know, sort of executing what's in his head. And so far that's working reasonably well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's a great space that is set up and it has a few different little areas and I love this little book display oh, yeah. that he was talking about. <laughs> he's obviously really enjoying these books and mm. I love he's got the most recent on the easel. On the easel yes. Yeah, so cute. It, it's interesting even that, you know, when you think of um, a whole conversation in society these days around, 
you know, diversity and inclusion because he's because he's very creative and he's, I guess, quite articulate for six. Um, the things that he likes is not necessarily what typical little boys like. Um, and so even those books that you're looking at there, the Ella and Olivia series, they're great books for him to read. Um, and he tried to buy, or he did borrow one from the library at school the other day, but because it's sort of classified a girl book, um, there are a number of kids that were sort of saying, oh, you're taking a girl book. Um, but luckily he comes home and he says to me, well, I don't care, mum, because they're the books I like to read and they're really interesting and they're fun and you know, so oh, that's I think good. nurturing that is uh, is important. It is, mm. it is, and that's like um, it's the, one of the main reasons why I'm really interested in doing these interviews because I see it's really exciting to me to meet adults who are creative and you know entrepreneurial and things like that. But children, mm. it's amazing, and to really you know acknowledge that in any way, yeah, is fantastic. And there might be other. Kids, um, for instance, um, Teddy, who I, he does the wearable art, so he's a uh, yes. designer, yeah, and he's fifteen, and um, he's, it's majority females in his industry, yeah, and he went to this big convention over in New Zealand, massive wearable arts. You know, he just had the time of his life, mm. and he met other males in that industry, and it was so great for him mm. to connect with other males who were, would say, I can see me in you yes. at that age. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I'm hoping these little interviews, kids are so tech savvy they can find anything yeah. that they want. Yeah. You know, if there was another little child who was creative and mm. just wasn't sure, well, what's this all ha- going on? And find um, inspiration or some relatability mm. with Max? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think so. And I think the other thing too, you know, particularly from a parent's perspective is, as I said before, just finding that balance of trying to sort of nurture and allow your child to be who they want to be because society is pretty constraining really. And by the time a child probably gets to about 10, you know, the social rules and regulations are trying to tighten who they are and what they can and can't be. So for a child like Max, our challenge is trying to just make sure he can, um, be who he wants to be and yeah. grow into the person that he wants to be as as frustrating at times as that can be. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually just recalling quickly then a story. This is going back a good six, 12 months probably. Um, it was about 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning and he, Max ran into our bedroom and woke us up um, and he was hell-bent on trying to find one more rubber band to add to his ukulele that he'd made and unbeknownst to my husband and I, he'd been up in his room for hours making this ukulele, ukulele out of craft. It was actually quite good, but he had it in his mind that he was one string short and he needed this one rubber band. And, you know, really, at 3 a.m. in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> but on the other hand, actually, what he built was quite good. <laughs> sort of that balance. <laughs> oh, you never know when inspiration's going to hit Well, that's, right. that's exactly. <laughs> 3 in the morning. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's really good. And someone's ventured in and... Um, it, are you going to have a little seat and listen to the rest of our interview? Yeah. Mum was just telling me that um, sometimes you go out the front and busk. Remember you've, uh, you've busked, you've tried to go outside with your instruments and get money for playing on the street um, a few times. That's what all of us three used to do. Well, I think you've done it on your own a few times and then the other two have tried to call you in, haven't they? Yeah. What? But I haven't got any money. I know, that's the problem. There's not enough <laughs> traffic sometimes, is there? 
What and what instruments did you play when you were out there? No, I, I was singing. I was oh, singing. So we were just talking. Mum was um, just letting us know about your little ukulele midnight um, craft project. Do you, do you often get inspiration at night? No. No, that was a one-off. You. Do you know the one craft project that we talked or you talked a little bit about a while ago? Do you remember at Christmas time when you asked Santa for your tie-dye kit? Yeah. And you tie-dyed... I didn't ask for it. He just gave it to me. Oh, you had it on your Santa list. Mm-hmm. You had a tie-dye kit written on your Santa list. Uh-huh. And then you tie-dyed your T-shirt and mm-hmm. leggings and a singlet. And we had a bit left over and we tie-dyed socks. Mm-hmm. Remember after that you said, maybe I could sell tie-dye socks at the market because we we worked out that probably no one really has tie-dye socks and actually you love yours so much you wear them to school even though they're not part of the uniform you often go to school with tie-dye socks <laughs> oh, no I don't yes you do all the time <laughs> when you won your award at assembly last year you very proudly walked up to Mr Zernicke with tie-dye socks up to your knee and received your award <gasps> love your tie-dye socks and we and you said to me last year well not many people have tie-dye socks maybe I could make more of them would that be fun? Yeah. Would that be something you might be able to sell in your craft business? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Because we worked out it was easy to do, wasn't it? Uh-huh. The socks. It's pretty easy because I th- I, it's only, you only need to do the outside, you don't need to do the inside because it goes through. Oh. And how do you do it? You roll them up and then... You put it through the end, and then it goes through like the whole round bit because it goes slowly around and around till it gets to the end. So you hold the sock so it looks twirly. Yeah. And then you put the color on the twirls. Yeah. Is that right? Wow. Cool. Uh-huh. Do you have to wash them separately? Do you know? Um. No, you you can do it at the same. Um, no, I don't think you do. It. The very first wash we did separately, just so that mm-hmm. it didn't run on things, and then after mm-hmm. that they just get thrown in, don't they? Oh, good. Mm-hmm. How cool! Yeah, you could have M- Max's socks like those. Um, does Dad? Do you know those happy socks? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're cool. Have Have you seen? Um, they're called happy socks, and they ha- they're so colourful, and they have all these like they might have donuts all over them or ice creams all over them. My mum has underpants there. Oh, <laughs> smiling pants. That's <laughs> true. You the, uh, Max's tie-dye t-shirt is probably his favourite, and even this morning when you were getting dressed, you asked, well, "Why can't you find it?" And it's in the laundry. But that's how often you wear it. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. The tie-dye socks one is, I completely forgot about that. That um, that came up at the similar time to them, um, or the other two trying to save for this Opti thing. And like he tie-dyed everything. And he said, oh, you know, I wonder if I could sell the tie-dye socks. And then Todd helped him work out, particularly for the older two, the economics of, well, a tie-dye kit costs $35, you know, if you sold X number of socks at the market, because probably one tie dye kit might do 15 pairs and, you know, trying yeah. to work out that, that sort of side of it. But it was his idea to kind of go, maybe we could sell tie dye socks. No one has tie dye socks. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really interesting that, well, he is so young and obviously hasn't done business courses or anything <laughs> like that. So when we're 
trying to um, get the stories out. Mm, I know, they <clears> don't of, really come out. Uh, uh, yeah, because he doesn't have the language yeah. around it, but we're able to give context to it, which is great. But he really does have, when there's a problem yeah. or a, he needs a solution, he really thinks of how he can, can solve it. it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't sort of look outside himself. He, he really thinks, well, I could do something. Well, how could I do that? Yes. You know, and yeah. that's just the basics of an entrepreneur, isn't it? It's mm, fantastic. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's oh, interesting. he's so good. Yeah. Isn't he funny? He comes in, oh, just casual. Oh, what's happening in here? Oh, no. Okay. Um, so did you want to um, just say a little bit about yourself and, and Todd? Your, if you wanted to give a little bit of background about um, maybe I love love stories. Oh. <laughs> Would you like to yeah, say how right. you and Todd met? Yeah. It's always cute. Um, your positions and things like that, just so people can get context of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my husband and I met um, a long time ago now, back in 2000. Um, I'm from Melbourne originally, he was Brisbane, but I moved up here for 12 months to have a change of scene, basically. I was finishing off my undergrad degree at the time, so I transferred up here to Queensland Uni, I worked part-time in a consultancy firm, um, and he was there full-time, and so that's where we met, and uh, very quickly hit it off, actually, which was lovely, and so kind of started dating, really, a few months after that. I then moved back to Melbourne and he followed me. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so we, this is, yeah, so back in 2000 and um, had a couple of years in Melbourne and then we moved over to London where we lived for a bit over four years. And obviously in that time we got married and so on and so forth. So, yes, we've been together now for 19 years, which seems like a very long time. Lots of wonderful chapters during that journey. In terms of our life generally at the moment, obviously it's it's fairly full with three young children, but uh, but my husband and I both work full time and, and have always been fairly focused on our careers. I was in the professional services consulting industry for many, many years, but more recently have, have shifted and I'm now in the mining sector. I work for a, a large uh, a global mining company and um, I head up their markets um, and strategy uh, part of the business for Asia Pacific. And my husband um, is in the banking industry and heads up strategy and customer um, for his organization. So life does get busy. Um, Logistics kind of is the main conversation point (laughs) between us and and managing the children and just, you know, trying to make sure that, you know, in and amongst having our own careers and our own ambitions that we are as present as we can be with the kids, um, which is absolutely our, our focus as best we can. So just trying to make sure that each one of them, having three children, they're all quite different, that we allow them the time and space to sort of, you know, do what they want to do and be who they want to be. But obviously it has to fit into the busyness of our household. Exactly. So um, that's probably, yes, our, our regular kind of challenge. But uh, but we try to make it work. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, thank you for sharing that. I, I, I love love stories. <laughs> Sorry, Kira. Sorry. Well, I think... Um, I think that's important, you know, for children to grow up seeing an example of um, a happy a happy marriage and a happy family life and an equitable one between mother and father. So, um, and we absolutely probably live by that. And so from the children's perspective, they can look to my husband and I and, and largely see us as interchangeable in their life um, as role models as opposed to, oh, mum has this particular role and dad has this particular role. 
I think that's that's helpful. I think the other thing um, that we focus on is we spend a lot of time at the beach. Um, I think you talked briefly to you about nippers earlier. Mm-hmm. We we have a boat and spend a lot of time out on the water. And for us as a family, that's a really um, beautiful time for us to just centre ourselves and be with ourselves and for just the noise of life and technology to be taken away. Mm-hmm. And again, a good creative time for kids to just explore and be themselves yeah so we do a lot of that on weekends as well as holidays like we'll go out for a week or two at a time and um, the the children absolutely love that yeah Mm. and you travel a lot with work too I do yes I do travel a lot um which which little Max actually doesn't like in fact I was I came home last night having been away for a week and he just you know won't let go of me when I walk in the door which is gorgeous I try to minimize travel as best I can um, but sometimes it's unavoidable. Yeah. Mm. So the, how you're saying that yourselves are, you and Todd are interchangeable. Yeah. You know, so that's great. He was like mum and dad for the week. and Exactly, yeah. yeah. So he's he's across all of that. Yeah. And, um, and obviously I speak to them every night and talk about the day's events and, and that sort of thing. And uh, But, yeah, it's it's a different environment, I guess, these days for children to grow up when mm. they've got both parents working and busy. Yeah. and But they adapt. Yeah. but And it also shows that, you know, there's there's such variety yeah. when when you're an adult. Like there's there's no restrictions. Like I can just do whatever I want. Look at mum and dad. You yeah. know. I yeah. think so. I think that's another really important thing. You know that often when when teenagers are going up to university sort of level and beyond their understanding of what career opportunities lie in front of them is constrained by their um, sphere of reference. Mm. So depending on what their parents have done and maybe a couple of family friends, that's sort of all they know. Mm. And I think it's really important to broaden your children's um, horizons beyond that because otherwise they don't even know what options are out there. Exactly. So um, even though the children are young, they're the sorts of conversations we like to have with the kids to just plant ideas in their mind and then to see what naturally kind of bubbles up when they get to 18 or 19 and have to make decisions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so my parents, I grew up with um, my parents having their own businesses till I was uh, around about 12, I think. Mm. So I just, I didn't know anything else. I thought that's what you did when, when you got bigger. So I was like, oh, when I'm big, what business will I have? So I always had these what will I do? You know, mm. thinking of that, and the kids at school would be, uh, oh, what and what will my job be? And you go to the careers counsellor, and well, what do you want? I'm like, what is this all about? I don't <laughs> quite get this. I'm business. Where's the business one? So it, it very much is what you grow up with yeah. is what you think. So if you have more of these ideas or more exposure, yes, there's so much more opportunity for them, and it's um, like nurturing these like at this age they they can have a million ideas and it, next week it could completely change mm. so it's really just going with it isn't it yeah. and like you've got this idea okay well let's do it you yeah know? let's do it and yeah. see what happens yeah I think so and I think um you know lots of children grow up naturally not knowing what they want to do and that's perfectly fine too but mm. I think if the best you can do for a child is if they have a passion and a natural inclination towards something that gives them a lot of pleasure um, and is a positive influence in their life, then support it, you know, as best you can and and not try to craft them into something else. Mm. So, um, and we see that with, with Max, you know, we've, as I say, we've got three children and they're all quite different, particularly the two boys. They're chalk and cheese. Um, and that's okay because <laughs> yeah. they're two different people. Mm. So I might end up sending them to different schools, um, which my husband and I are very open to. If that makes sense at the time that they're you know better suited to different schools, then 
so be it. Yeah. Before um, we started uh, started recording the interview and I was explaining what we were going to do and I said, oh, you know, your craft ideas are really great. And he said, oh, well, I've had some have failed, but that's okay because I've turned them into something else. <laughs> Yeah. Like to know that fail, failing at something isn't failure. No. It's opportunity for something else yeah. or it, it, it's completely fine and part of life. Like, yes. Yeah. He's very resilient like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, and we see it in lots of funny ways. So the children do a lot of swimming and they do multiple lessons of squad a week as well as swim club and other things. Anyway, um, last year when his swimming was was not that great, um, he would still come to swim club and he would be up on the blocks and our older two children would just enrol him in every race possible. And, you know, he'd often be up on the blocks and he'd say, what am I, what am I swimming? And there was one <laughs> night where my, my daughter said, um, it's breaststroke. And I heard this from the sidelines and thought, oh, the poor guy, he's got no idea what breaststroke even is, but didn't bother him. He was just thrilled to be up there on the blocks. He, he dove in and did all sorts of whatever it was, got into the end of the pool, you know, came last by a country mile, um, but just could not have been more excited to be there. And, you know, at the very end, my husband was there timekeeping and, and Max said, how'd I go? And my husband said, you did well, you came last. <laughs> And Max just laughed and said, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. You know, no, nothing phases him. He just will get in there, give it a crack. Um, and actually, interestingly now, sort of six months on, he's he's moved up to that squad level doing two lessons a week and he's swimming amazingly. He's oh. made the most progress oh. <laughs> out of all of them. So it's quite interesting. Oh, good on but, him. Um, but, yeah, just having that sense of adventure, I think, that adventurous spirit that mm. says, yeah, I can do anything. Mm. Um yeah, it might go a long way in life. <laughs> oh, it will. It definitely will. Oh, yeah. And so cute how we were saying he can keep cop the full interview and the one that said it to and everything. Oh, yes. And, oh, and we could do, he said, we could do another one. Yeah. Uh, we sure can. Yeah, you've just opened a can of worms. <laughs> yeah, he'll be like every every week wanting me to bring the, the Got an idea. microphone. Oh, no, it's so good. Okay, well, thank you so much again, Alicia. I really oh, do appreciate you. you giving me a few hours on your Saturday morning because I know how busy the family is and no, how precious right. time is. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, pleasure. And, um, yeah, if there's ever anything that um, little Max or yourself wanted to share with us, just let us know and I'll let our listeners know. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much and um, thank you for giving us the opportunity. It's been lovely. Oh, thank you, Alicia. Thank you for listening and I hope you really enjoyed this week's tale. Let me now invite you to pop over to our Facebook group called Pink Sheep Tales Podcast and there you can stay up to date with all the exciting news from our pink sheep. You can also find myself at OCD, Organising, Cleaning and Decluttering Specialists on Facebook or on my website ocdpro.com.au. Well, I'll catch you back here next week. Until then, enjoy yourself. <laughs>